Um, so, but uh, to get us started this morning, what I want to do is to, um, I want to give you two scenarios and I want you to think about two scenarios, talking about money and how we relate to money in our own lives, where, where our heart is with money. I'm going to give you two things to think about. And I want you to think about those just to kind of get the brain working this morning. So in the first scenario, let's, let's say you've got a friend who is a very close friend. She's a, an elderly woman. Um, her husband has, has died several years ago. So she's a widow. Uh, she's living off of her social security payments and, and maybe what little amount of money they had saved up before he, he passed away. So, you know, month to month, it's a struggle for her to make ends meet, but, but by God's grace, she's, she's made it this far. And, and, you know, you've got to be a good, a good Christian friend to her. And you have been a good Christian friend to her over the years. You've, you've checked in on her from time to time just to make sure she's doing okay. Maybe you've, you've brought her some groceries here and there. Uh, some of you probably, you, you may have even done some, some, uh, some maintenance work on her home or, or uh, you know, how they, they do on Sundays, you know, you put a little money in her purse without her knowing about it. Uh, um, that's a good way to bless somebody. Um, but, uh, you know, just, just little things, you know, you're trying to be a good Christian friend to her, um, just to make sure she's making it. Uh, and, and this, this, uh, this friend of yours, she's always been a faithful giver. You know, she doesn't give much because she doesn't have much, but she does give. And uh, she's always very quick to give praise and to give thanks to God for his faithfulness to her. You know, somehow, some way, it just always seems to work out where, you know, her, her bills are paid and her needs are met. Well, last week, your friend was at church and you saw her and you just felt moved to bless her. So you took $20 out of your pocket and you put it in her purse without knowing about it. Now you didn't know this, but when she came to church last Sunday, she came to church flat broke. She didn't have anything, no, no money to her name. Her cupboards were bare and she was flat broke. And so fast forward to this Sunday and because of that $20 that you gave her, she has made it all week on that 20 bucks. She's back at church this Sunday, and she's down to her last two dollars, two dollars that that she wouldn't have if you hadn't have given it to her without her knowing it. The two dollars left over from the twenty bucks that you gave her. And before church, you're talking, and and she tells you, she says, you know, I've I've got two dollars left to my name. That's all I have. God's been so good to me. The good Lord is so good. I came to church last week. I didn't have anything. And he blessed me. Someone put $20 into my purse and I've made it all week on that money. And this is the last $2. It's all I have left from it. My cupboards, they're, they're, they're bare again. There's no food left. I'm in the same situation I was last week. I just have this $2, but I feel like God wants me to be faithful. And I feel like he wants me to give this in the offering. What do you think? Now, what would you tell her? Don't, don't answer out loud and uh, <laughs> don't answer immediately. What would you tell this woman whose only money that she has is the $2 left over from the 20 bucks that you gave her a week ago and she wants to give it in the offering? She's got no food on the cupboard. She's got little to no gas in the car. She's got $2 that you gave her and she wants to give it in the offering. 
Now, more than likely, I'm, I'm going to assume that most all of you know what the textbook response should be. Um, you know, you all have an idea about what you should say, what you're supposed, what's the, what's the good Christian answer to this? But I, I'm going to tell you that you really shouldn't be concerned so much about whether or not you know what you should say. You should be more concerned about what you would say, because when application is, is uh, disconnected from theory, then we've got a, we've got a problem. This, I'm not concerned about the academic response. I want to know what the practical response, the real response. A lot of us, we know truth, but the, do we act on it? What would you really tell her? This money that she wants to give away is the money that you gave her in the first place. Now, I've, I've got a, a strong feeling that most Christians, and if we're honest, probably most of us, maybe even all of us, with the best intentions that our hearts could have, we would probably say something like this. We'd probably tell her, dear sister, that's very generous of you. You know, God does love a cheerful and a faithful giver, but he also wants us to be good stewards of what he's given us. He wants us to use wisdom. He knows your heart. He knows that you want to give. He knows that you want to take care of, of God's house. He knows that you need things too. And he wants you to take care of yourself. He knows that you need to eat, and I'm sure he'd want you to keep that money, that $2, so that you could buy food for tomorrow. He wants your needs to be met. I mean, can you, can you really expect him to just drop food out of the sky for you if you just give away the money that he's already provided you? God wants you to do the sensible thing. And again, because we have the best intentions in our heart, we tell this woman, we've got our good intentions. God wants us to be um, uh, wise with the money. So with the best intentions that we have out of our heart, we, we talk this woman out of, of being a cheerful giver. We talk her out of doing what the Lord wants her to do. Again, because in our eyes, this is the wise and prudent thing to do. And if we're honest about ourselves, if we're honest about how we would respond to this woman, I think that most of us would do this. Uh, I, I think in the very rare situation, would we say, oh no, go ahead and give the last $2 that you have especially if it's dollars that, that we had given her. So that, that's scenario number one. Now I want you to move to scenario number two. Let's say you have a, another close friend at church and he's a, he's a moderately successful businessman. He's got a, a house here and he's got a vacation home in, on the beach in Florida. And, and he tells you one day, he says, you know, my wife and I, we've been saving up for a second vacation home in the mountains, you know, the, the beach is really her thing. The mountains are my thing. I like the mountains. So that way, if we, we can buy this home in the mountains, that way when I retire, we can spend time in both places and we'll both be happy. So what, what do you think about that? Now, what would you say to that guy? Let's be honest with ourselves now. What would you say to that guy? And I think if we're honest about that, then our, our response would probably go something like this. We, we tell him, man, that, that sounds great. You know, you, you've worked hard and the Lord has blessed you. And, and uh, if you, you make your money, if you can save it and make that happen, man, then by all means, go for it. Maybe one day I'll be in a position to do the same thing. That's what we all want, right? Well, how many of you have your Bibles this morning? Anybody? You got Bibles? Okay. If you got your Bibles, turn to the book of Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12.
we're going to look at verse uh, beginning in verse 41. I'm just going to put that up here for you. There we go. Mark chapter 12, verse 41. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. This is Jesus. Many rich people put in large sums and a poor widow came and put in a small or two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to them and said to them, truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all of those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contribute out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Now, that applies directly to the scenario that we had at the, the first scenario with the, you know, the friend that we have who is a widow. Jesus called his disciples together to teach them a lesson. He wanted to teach them about giving and about generosity. So what did he do? Did he, did he question the woman's wisdom? Did he tell them that, that they should have, or that she should have been a better steward over what little that she had, what little he had already given her? Did he say that, that she should have been more sensible than to give away her only remaining resources? No. In fact, he did not do that. In fact, he did quite the opposite. He commended her. He praised her for her sacrifice and her faith and her trust in God. In fact, he regarded her as wise and he set her up as a model for his disciples to follow, a model of Christian faith and Christian generosity. And the sad thing is, I, I believe that yes, for most of us, if, if this same woman, if this same widow had come to any of us on that day and ask any of us for advice, chances are we would have told her, hey, you know, the Lord would rather you keep that. We will try to talk her out of what Jesus praised her for doing. Now, don't, don't worry. <laughs> like I told you last time, this isn't a message about tithing today. That, that's going to come. And when we talk about the tithe, we'll, we'll probably circle back around to this, this text, but that isn't today. I just, I just need you to see this as the example to get you to begin thinking about and considering your own hearts and your own relationships to money. Now, now I want you to turn to Luke chapter 12 in your Bibles. Luke chapter 12, we're going to look at verse uh, 13 through 20. And this, this relates to the, the friend from scenario two. Remember the businessman in scenario two. Let me see if I can get that up on the screen for you. So again, we're dealing with Jesus and there's someone in the crowd and they say to Jesus in verse 13, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who made you or who made me a judge or an arbiter over you? And he, that's Jesus, said to them. Now he's talking to everybody. He says, take care, be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And then he told a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and I will build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. 
And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this night your soul is required of you. And these things you have prepared, whose will they be? So this man, like our, our friend from scenario two, uh, he has more than what he needs and he's storing up. He's just building up and accumulating. Now I want you to think just for a minute, who do we see normally in, in magazines and newspapers? Who do we see in TV shows and uh, movies? Do we see the widow who gave everything that she had or do we see the rich fool? Well, I, you know, it almost goes without saying, you can just look at the media today and you can see that we, normally we see the rich fool. We don't ever see the, the widow who gave everything that she had. But that's the secular media, right? I mean, they're, they're lost. That's what we expect from them. But what about Christian media? Christian institutions, whose name goes on the buildings? Whose picture gets put on the front of Charisma magazine? Who do they write articles about? Who do they promote on the radio? Whose worship albums go to the top of the charts? Which, which preacher gets pushed and pushed? Is it the widow who had everything that she had or is it the rich fool? So I want you to look at, at one more passage. If you'll turn to Matthew chapter six. Matthew chapter six. We'll begin in verse 19. Jesus is, is preaching his Sermon on the Mount, um, and he has some things to say about money, but he has this particular, there's a peculiar phrase that he says in the middle of this, this little uh, lesson about, about money and possessions. Let's look at it. Chapter 6, verse 19, Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where neither uh, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, we got that. That's good. Don't lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Don't, uh, but instead put them in, uh, don't lay up for treasures on earth, but instead lay up treasures in heaven. Um, we, we understand that. And then he says something weird. He says in verse 22, he says, the eye of the lamp, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for neither either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and, and money. So here's the thing. We go through this passage. Don't lay up treasures for yourselves. Um, you know, and I, I, I need to point this out. We're going to come back to this later if the Lord's willing. But it wasn't treasures that Jesus had a problem with. Notice he didn't say don't lay up treasures. It was the kind of treasure. He didn't say don't lay up treasures uh, at all. He said don't lay them up here. Uh, Jesus isn't, isn't um, he's not against treasure. He's against worthless treasure. Okay, so don't lay up treasures on earth, but lay them up in heaven where your treasure is, that your heart will be also. We got that. And then there's that weird statement about the lamp and the eyes and the bodies. Don't lay up treasure. That's money. 
No one can serve two masters. You can only you cannot serve God and money. That's money. But what's this weird thing about the eye and the lamp and the body and darkness? And how does that even fit in here? Well, I'm, I hope I can show you. So imagine if you're in a, a room that's full of obstacles and there's this, this broken glass that's in places. There are boards with nails sticking up in them. There are holes in the floor. You know, there, there's plenty of light in the room so you can, you can see your way around. And because of that, you can easily navigate to the other side without getting caught in any of those, you know, those dangerous things. You can, you can navigate the obstacles. You can carefully avoid them because you can, you can see them. There's plenty of light and you can see them. But, if you're in a situation where something happens to your eyes, if you're if you're blinded and your eyes no longer work, it, it doesn't matter how much light's in the room all around you, you're still in darkness. The only way for light to enter the body is through the eyes and you, you have no other mechanism for seeing. So there's, there's no way for you to avoid all the dangers in front of you. No matter how much light is in the room around you, the light can't get in and you can't see. In fact, if you never saw the dangers in front of you in the first place, you would never even know they were there until it was too late. And this church, this is why Jesus places this, this seemingly odd statement right here in the middle of these two statements about money. This is the danger that money and possessions present to us. Money and possessions, they aren't evil by themselves, but they do bring with them danger. Let me, let me take you back to the story about the rich fool and how, how these two tied together. If you remember back in Luke 12, just before Jesus told the parable of the rich fool, he made this statement in verse 15. He said, take care, be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Now, the English Standard Version and the King James Version, they render that word as covetous covetousness, and that's fine. But I, I think that a, a better translation for how we use words in context today would be to say greed or greediness. In fact, that's how the, the New American Standard Bible translate uh, that, that word. And that, that's another very good, very faithful translation if, you're, if anyone's looking for one. Either way though, whether it's covetousness or greediness, it's the same principle. He's talking about a sinful desire or pursuit of things, money and possessions. Now, here's the thing. When have you ever heard Jesus speak this way about any other sin? Be careful, watch out, lest you get into this trap. You've never heard him say this about things like adultery. Jesus never, he never had to say, be careful, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of adultery. And the reason why is because adultery isn't tricky. You, you know if you're doing it. I mean, you don't, you don't look over and say, oh, hey, you're not my wife. What happened? That doesn't happen. You know if you're in the middle of it. Same thing with lying or stealing. You know you're telling a lie. You know you're stealing. It's not something that happens unintentionally. Be careful. Be on your guard about all kinds of murder. Well, you... You don't have to be watchful for murder. It, just don't do it. The best way to don't do murder. Don't kill people. It's not one of those things that we accidentally fall into or that we do without realizing that, that we're doing it. But then you have greed, materialism. See, this is where the eyes being darkened comes into play. No one sees their own greed. No one sees their own materialistic ways because someone always has more than you do. 
If you've got a nice car, someone always has a nicer car. Someone you know has a nicer car so you don't feel so bad about how much you spent on yours. If you've got an extravagant home, a really nice home, you know what? Someone you know always has a bigger one, a more extravagant one. So there's no conviction. You don't feel any guilt about spending so much money on a great big home for just the two of you. And that's why Jesus says, you have to be on your guard. Don't lay up treasures on earth, but lay up treasures in heaven. You can't serve God and money because the eye is blind to this stuff. That's why that, that weird statement is right there in the middle of those two things about money. Don't lay up treasures in, on earth, but put them in heaven. You can't serve God in money. The eye is blind to these things. So you'll see it all around you. You'll make comments about, oh, so-and-so who's got way too much money they don't know what to do with, or the guy down the street who's spending his money uh, foolishly. Um, he's got too much money. I mean, we'll, we'll make comments. We'll see people who are being materialistic and we can easily see that in other people. But the fact of the matter is there are people in our own city, maybe even in the same church as us, maybe even sitting on the same row as us who are looking at us thinking the same thing because there's such a huge gap between what they survive on and what we survive on. Listen, wealth is not evil, nothing evil about money. Money is not the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. It's not the wealth that's the problem. It's our relationship with it. What makes it so dangerous is that we cannot see it in our own lives outside of a, an eye-opening work of the Holy Spirit to open our eyes so that we can see the hidden sin within. And this is reason number 478, why you need to be in your word every day, why you need to be spending time in prayer every day, being humble before God, asking him to reveal those things in your life which are not pleasing to him. You know, we, in my own home, we've had to have some difficult conversations about, about money. Um, you know, when we want to do certain things, we've had to ask, are we, are we just building bigger barns? Now, we don't, have, we don't use those specific words, but you know, we have to think about is, is there something better, more eternal, more kingdom focused that God would have us to do with this excess that we have? That's part of another discussion that I, I do hope to have with you soon. But today, what I, what I really wanna do, if I, if I can just be completely honest, what I really hope to do today is to instill in you a sense of, well, I'm just gonna call it righteous fear. Um, you know, the Bible says in Philippians 2, 2.12, I think, that we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We, we need to approach the Lord on this issue of, of money and possessions, our relationship with money and possessions, as if we are already guilty. Because the eye is blind to these things, and chances are, more than likely, we are already guilty. We just don't see it. Now, I'm not saying this is easy, and these are not easy conversations to have, especially when we look back on all of our years and all that we've accumulated and all the money that we've spent over time and all the stuff that we bought that we ended up just throwing away anyway. We take stock of all that. The numbers, the numbers would be staggering, especially over a long life. And it, it leads us to wonder, who could I have helped with that? How many lives could I have touched with that? 
I mean, greed is, is deadly. It is so dangerous. It's the hidden sin. It's the hidden enemy. And that's why the Bible says so much about it. We must be on our guard against all manner of greediness. I'm not, I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty. I'm not interested in guilt or condemnation at all. My whole purpose today is to try to shine a light on a subject that most of us never think twice about because we think we don't have a problem with it. Everybody else may have a problem, but this never comes home to us because our eyes are blind. Our eyes are darkened to it. This is the sin that we never see in ourselves. No one ever feels like they have a problem with how they spend or allocate their money. Now think about it. That's the truth. And if you start talking to them about that, and man, you, why did you go out to eat seven times last week when you can't pay your utility bill? Well, there'll, there'll be a reason. There'll be a reason. They'll tell you, well, I mean, there, there's always a reason. And they're justified in their reason. It's easy for us to see in other people, but we can't see it in ourselves. And I'll tell you, church, I don't want to live in that kind of darkness. The light is all around. The Bible has shed so much light on this issue of money and greed. I want my eyes to be open so I can clearly see and pray. And I and, and the, the Lord would open my eyes. And I, I pray for that for each one of you as well. So there's this hidden sin, materialism and greed. And the scripture says our eyes are darkened to it. So we have to be doubly careful. Jesus says, be on your guard against this kind of thing. There's, it's different than other kinds of sin because it's hidden from us. We can't see it. So be on our guard about it. So I, I challenge you this week to think about these kinds of things and, and to go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to show you if, if there's a seed of greed in your own heart. Now, there, there's a lot more to come on this subject. And, and I, I'm sorry, but it, it will probably get a lot more uncomfortable before it gets better. But God is faithful, church. If you suffer with him a little while, you will reign with him forever in glory. So there you go. I, I hope to be back in the sanctuary with you next week. Um, if you'll bow with me, we'll pray, and then I will dismiss you. Father God, I thank you so much for your, your holy word. And I thank you for the warnings that you give us in your word, the lights that we can look to, to to shine a light on the dangerous path ahead of us. Father, I pray that you you work in our hearts to help us to receive the word you've given us and, and to look deep within, open our eyes that we can see if there's seeds of hidden greed, Lord. Father, I pray that you bless each and one of us as we go our separate ways. Keep us safe and bring us back at the appointed time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. God bless you all. I love you. I can't wait to see you in person next week. Um, shake, well, don't shake hands, but you know, bump fist, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, be friendly. Bye-bye. <laughs>